Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. There is a chance for you to have your say on some legislation which really will have far-reaching implications here in the Isle of Man. The Sexual Offences and Obscene Publications Bill is a major modernisation of our laws. It's some 200 pages long and deals with some pretty complicated issues. We're joined by two members of the Department of Home Affairs who've been responsible for this bill, Dr Alex Allenson. MHK and Tanya August Hansen, MLC. Thank you both so much for being with us this afternoon. Uh, first of all, Dr. Hansen, why do we need this change? Uh, because we need to keep our laws up to date. Uh, and it, that's not just an academic argument. What this, this bill is doing is protecting victims of crime. It's actually saying, what is, what is crime? Um, the last bill was back in 1992, before the internet, before people had mobile phones. We now know that image-based sexual abuse is a real problem for for women. We now know that sexual abuse can affect men as well. Um, and we need to respond to that by having laws in place to actually um, bring the, the, the perpetrators of crime to justice, but also to protect victims and give victims that voice that they need. One of the things we've been doing in the Department of Home Affairs is trying to make sure that our legislation is up to date and responds to the needs of people on this island. And so that's why it's really important that we have a consultation on this so we get it right. And so there's another two weeks to go on on the online consultation. But if people want to feed in by emailing us or or contacting the department who don't like doing things online or want to write in, that's absolutely fine as well. How much knowledge do you have to have of this subject area in order to be able to take part in the consultation? You don't have to have that much academic knowledge. Some of the questions are quite quite basic in terms of what is consent what people feel about consent should it be explicit or implied what what people feel is is right and, and what resonates for them perhaps to, due to their own experiences and, and i have to say I'm, I'm if anyone who's listening to this during the discussion d- does get concerned about uh, uh, about their their own experiences and abuse i, I apologize for that but it's important we get some of these things out in the open um, so that we can actually help people who are victims of crime address that, but also so that we can have the best law possible to support them if if they feel able to actually report that crime, to actually then feed in through the police, feed in through the court, and actually support them through that period. There, there may be some people who might say that, you know, sort of taking part in these consultations doesn't really make a difference, but Tanya, what, what would you say to that? I would say it absolutely does make a difference. Um, my experience of having been, I mean, I was, I was only elected in, in March and I think that prior to that, um, I probably had a, a preconceived idea as to how much um, you know, input you could actually have into a public consultation and, and whether or not that would actually be used and worked with and people are actually going to go through it or if it would be ignored. Um, I had my own concerns, but having actually kind of like um, come into the, the Department of Home Affairs, I'm very, very, very aware that, Every single response is taken into account. Every single response is taken into account. And you can have a a real um, influence on this legislation by putting those ideas forward. Because if you don't say anything, then it's likely nobody's going to hear you. And if nobody hears you, then, you know, there might be a repercussion or a consequence to that down the line.
This weekend sees the grand opening of the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch Visitor Centre in Peel. The Charities Education and Outreach Officer Jen Adams is with us. And Jen, this centre has been a long time in the planning, hasn't it? It has. It's actually something that I've personally been wanting to do for about five years um, because I just want somewhere where people can come and it'll be a main hub um, to find out all about our local species of whale, dolphin and porpoise. And I'm sure many people will be hugely surprised at just how much variety there is out there in the Manx waters. It is, absolutely. And there's still people today that have never seen um, whales or dolphins before around the Isle of Man. And they're convinced that they have to go abroad and on whale watching holidays. And you just say, no, like you can see them here. Um, And not only that, but we have five species that we regularly see at all different times of year, really, really close inshore. And was the the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch, it was established, what, about 2006, wasn't it? It was 2006, yeah, by a chap called John Galpin. Um, who at the time, used to, he built um, a beautiful house on the coast in Dalby and he started to see whales and dolphins. Um, so he wanted to see, you know, what on earth, what species are these that he's seeing? And he went to do some research, looked around looked on the internet and books, went to government and there was no information at all about whales and dolphins. And that was because nobody had ever studied them here before. So that was why he founded um, Maxwell and Dolphin Watch, to find out what we're seeing and how amazing this place is. And how did you get involved with the charity? Um, I came seven years ago um, as a volunteer. So we do take volunteers every year and I was one of them. And at the time it was just being run um, by a chap who was doing like the science all the research and that sort of thing. But not much was done in the way of outreach and education and that's where my expertise lies. So. Um, I was asked to come on board as the education person. And so the team itself, you've got a sort of a core group and then and then volunteers. How is it set up? Yes, so there's the three of us, um, myself, my partner Tom and um, our colleague Bryony. And between the three of us, we do basically everything. Um, but we do have lots of dedicated volunteers as well that help us out. Um, one of the most important parts is doing land-based um, surveys. So we trained up 70 people Um, locals a couple of years ago to do surveys for us from the coastline. And you're very keen that members of the public um, report sightings. How well aware are we, would you say, I mean we talked about this at the start of the programme, of just what is out there? Um, In the last couple of years uh, awareness has increased massively. Before that no one was really aware that you could see whales, dolphins and porpoises. Everyone's aware of the basking sharks but not so much um, the marine mammals. So it just in the last couple of years, um, awareness has been raised. So we've got a couple of things that we do. This one of them is a WhatsApp live sightings group that has about 300 people on. Um, and so many people have seen their first ever whale or dolphin because of this WhatsApp group. And oh, that's also, brilliant. So yeah. people would just say, oh, there's a whale here and everyone will just sort of flock there. Yep, I guess. so they can be like, right, pod of dolphins up Douglas Head now 300 people on this group get a ping and they see it instantly and then if they're in the area they can just whiz down um so if anyone wants to get involved in that (laughs) then the best way to do it is to send us a message on Facebook or um an email at no was it info at mwdw.net send us a message with your number and I will add you to the group nation station Thanks, Ray.
Now, one of the island's largest and most recognisable companies is celebrating 50 years in business this year. And there is every chance you will have seen one or more of the little green SCS vans on your way to work today, which is unsurprising. There are 110 employees working around the island for the well-known contractor. Did you know, though, that Stuart Clegg Services actually started as a one-man plumbing business? And that one man is Stuart Clegg, MBE himself, who is here <laughs> in the studio with wife Barbara. Lovely that you could both be here this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> now, as we said, 2019, 50th uh, year. And Stuart, for this golden anniversary, you really have decided to do something a little bit different, haven't you? We have indeed. We thought 50 years, we'll try and raise, <coughs> excuse my voice, 50k for charity so um me and sorry barbara and i and the team we've got together and we've gone to different uh, charities who want we want to be involved with and uh, we've made a list out of, of what's available and who we're going to sponsor this year and raise money and how we're going to do it and there's some lovely things on this list here, I have to say. The very first one, in fact, just grabbed my attention. Hospice Wild at Heart Wallaby Pairings at Ballinet <laughs> Park. I think that deserves some explanation, Stuart. <laughs> well, they're not live wallabies, <laughs> but they're um, fiberglass wallabies. I think there's about 28 of them there. And they're going to be uh, sponsored by different successful companies on the Isle of Man who are going to have them painted to look... Uh, nice and they're going to be spread out all over the island and uh, I think the public are going to be asked to go and look for them and find out where they are and what they are and then um, the uh, successful companies will actually pay a good amount of work uh, money to help with help with it and then towards the end of the year they're all coming back to our place and there'll be 20 28 wallabies in the field in front and everything that goes with it. <laughs> so that should be exciting. We'll talk more about some of the other charities that you're supporting a little bit later. But take us back to the very beginning then. How did Stuart Clegg Services actually come about? Well, I started uh, and thought to myself, the company I was working for at the time, I thought, I think I could do as well as they are. So I started and Barbara helped me. Uh, well, she was um, working in the bank at the time, so I sort of lived off her income. And for the first year or two, it was a bit tough, but then we employed a plumber and then a second one and a third one till we've ended up now with um, a full team of plumbers, electricians, heating engineers, air conditioning engineers, you name it. We've got every trade so that if you um, uh, if you were a bank or a big company, you want some work doing, you've just got to ring one number and we can do the whole lot, including any building work. The Nation Station. Radio. Trust was set up in 1997 in memory of Charlie Waller, um, a young man who took his own life while experiencing depression. Um, so shortly after his death, the family set up um, the Trust in order to educate young people on the importance of staying mentally healthy and how they can do it, but also where they can go to get that help if they require as well. So as well as working with schools, we work with colleges, universities, GP, line managers, across a massive range of settings, and that's constantly being expanded to provide lots of different resources um, and leaflets and webinars and lots of different ways of how we can get that information out there so people can upskill around resilience and wellbeing. 
And how did you come to be here at St Ninian's? The school previously had a session with one of my colleagues um, for staff training. Um, so we were invited back to do something directly with the young people today as part of um, a day with other agencies coming in, uh, giving out different messages around different topics that they felt that they needed um, more information on. And which particular age group is this targeted at then? So today I'm particularly working with year 12s, okay, but I think the school is also doing something with year 13s on a different um, agenda with different topics that they feel that meets their needs. What sort of issues do you find typically that people of this age group are concerned about? Um, I think from a parent's perspective, social media tends to be one of the big things. But the interesting thing is if you speak to the young people, social media is not the top of their list. Okay, there tends to be a lot of more underlying factors. Um, But, you know, every area has different spikes in uh, their needs. So um, where I'm from, even though I'm from the northwest of England, which Isle of Man is uh, underneath, um, where I'm from near Manchester, you know, we have different needs to what the Isle of Man has. Um, So I'm in more of an urban built-up area, so our needs um, tend to be more around uh, deprivation, things like that, whereas come to the Isle of Man, it might be a little bit more around isolation, you know, transport, being able to be linked, um, access to services, you know, whereas where I'm from, it's a little bit more on my doorstep. But so it's different barriers to overcome, and that's the complexities that we have, um, not just in the northwest of England, but across the country. Um, and that's why we do different training to to tailor different people's needs to be able to try and link into that and to try and get them to overcome, be able to overcome those barriers to increase well-being and resilience, really individually, but within our communities as well, because that's one of the things that tends to be sort of. Um, been lost over the years as well um so yeah it's not just main key factors that people think of like social media or uh, mental health services the lack of being able to access there's a lot more things that before we can get to you know those stages uh, there's a lot more contributing factors should we say it's really difficult i think for parents and guardians um to to recognize i guess when a young person is in a great deal of distress because typically, you know, teenagers, they do become more isolated. They don't particularly want to spend as much time with their parents. They do, you know, sometimes grunt. I don't know if that, I mean, that seems to be normal. So how do you know as a parent when there is actually something to really worry about? Okay, so there's, there are different uh, signs and symptoms to look out for. Um, and it is really difficult with young people to distinguish whether it's you know is it a level of distress or is it actually puberty um you know so these are the these are the complexities and not one shoe fits all um but definitely charlie waller has provided um a, a lot of different resources not just for the young people but also parents to be able to give them more information of how they can spot those signs and symptoms what's not normal to that young person or even to them themselves as a parent looking after that young person because it's not always just necessarily about the young person it's their network as well um as well the people that they are around could potentially be in distress and it has knock-on effects um so yeah it, it is complex it is not one shoe fit so but what we're trying to do is raise awareness break down stigma and discrimination around it make people more aware of their emotions thoughts how they think feel and be- how they behave because then we can do something about it 
just have to ask you before mm-hmm. we finish if you could perform with anyone in the whole wide world who would it be if i could perform with anyone in the whole wide world um oh i really really couldn't say my favorite soprano to listen to if i'm listening to that kind of thing is renee fleming she's an american soprano but actually um i think i already perform with the people I'd want to perform with, with the choir, with with Nikki, with Paul, with Ruth, with everybody, and you know, watching my 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 children performing in their sports with Gavin, you know, I'm really really lucky. Tell us about your final piece of music. Oh uh, well, my final piece of music is um, is Manx Voices, um, and uh, this is us singing Ellen Vannon at the Guild, uh, just this this last year um, and the arrangement we're singing of Ellen Vannon was written by Harry Pickard who founded the choir well Jane Corkle thank you so much for spending uh, an hour with us thank on the thank you for having Rock. me here are the Manx Voices when 